Good morning. In addition to um, remembering those that lost their lives on September 11, 2001, I'd also ask us to take one moment of silent prayer um, as we pray for the repose of the soul of Queen Elizabeth. Uh, she reigned for 70 years. Now, she wasn't our queen, but uh, among her other titles is the title of Defender of the Faith in the Church of England. And of course, the Church of England is the mother church of, of Anglicanism. And so I would just ask that we take a moment and just pause as we remember her and we pray for the repose of her soul and the souls of those from 9-11. Rest eternal grant unto them, O Lord, and let light perpetual shine upon them. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed through thy mercy rest in peace. Amen. Amen. So today's gospel lesson, it is so well known, so familiar that when you hear those words, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell into the hands of robbers. It's likely that images of the Good Samaritan pop into your head. The Good Samaritan who did the right thing after the priest and the Levite didn't. We probably don't even listen all that closely anymore to those words in the passage from Luke 10, because we've heard the story so many times we know it by heart. Priest and a Levite, they don't stop to help a man who's been beaten on the side of the road, but Samaritan, who didn't get along with the Jews, stops to help him. That Samaritan went above and beyond the call of duty. And we're all supposed to be like the Samaritan, not like the other two guys, right? It's a pretty straightforward story, or is it? Unlike most of Jesus's parables, this particular parable is full of detail. If you think about it, most of his other parables, they're more general in nature. For example, it might be, well, there was a man who had two sons, or there was the owner of a vineyard, or there was a poor widow, we're not really told what any of those people did for a living or where they were from or where they lived. We're usually just given a general outline of a story that we can then apply the moral lessons to our own lives. But this particular parable is different. This parable is full of specifics. It starts off with a lawyer asking Jesus who his neighbor is. And Jesus's response is very specific. He responds in a specific way with the story of a traveler who had some pretty bad luck on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. This particular road is a road I like to call Jericho Turnpike. And the reason is, there's a reason for it. The reason is, as I was growing up on Long Island in New York, the main road right down the road from where I lived was called Jericho Turnpike. Uh, it was only a block from my house. And so I almost always refer to the road to Jericho out of the scriptures as Jericho Turnpike. So let's talk about this biblical Jericho Turnpike, the road that connected Jerusalem to Jericho. Um, I'd like for each one of you to just indulge me for a few minutes or maybe a minute or two. Take a minute and close your eyes. Paint a mental picture of what this road looked like, this road to Jericho. As you do, remember that in addition 
to this parable of the Good Samaritan, there are many other scriptures that reference this particular road. So just take a minute, use your imagination, form an image in your mind of what this road looked like. Now Jericho Turnpike, we're not talking about a busy New York City street here. The road to Jericho is much different. Jericho is sort of a, a suburb of Jerusalem. We often hear about this road because it is the main road that goes down to the rich city of Jericho. On the other hand, Jerusalem, it's the area hub, it's a metropolis, it has many roads that lead to it. Jerusalem's elevation is about 2,500 feet above sea level. In contrast, Jericho's elevation is about 800 feet below sea level. And it's only about 20 miles long. So if we do the math, we can see the road is very steep. It's a steep path that connects the cities of Jerusalem and Jericho. It drops 3,300 feet in just under 20 miles. It winds its way through narrow, rocky passes and dips and sudden turns. And so was the perfect place for bandits and robbers to prey upon travelers. It was infested with thieves and robbers, so much so that locally it was known as the Bloody Way. And so how does that fit into your mental image of Jericho Turnpike? Well, it's on this particular road that a wayward traveler runs into trouble. Jesus is telling the story to a group of Jews. And as I said, the road that we're talking about connects Jerusalem and Jericho. And so it's reasonable to assume that this unlucky traveler was a, was a Jew. He's going down. Remember, it's a very steep road. He's going down from Jerusalem, and he's attacked by robbers. They strip him, they beat him, and they leave him half dead. Now, after a while, a priest comes by. And that wouldn't be unusual since many of the temple priests lived in Jericho. And this particular priest, he was probably on his way home. I'm speculating now. But he was probably on his way home from working in Jerusalem that day. The priest sees this man lying on the side of the road. But instead of going to help him, the priest crosses over to the other side to avoid him. Now, because the reason is because according to law, anyone who touched a dead body was unclean for the next seven days. And it was a process that you had to go through if that happened. To become clean again was very involved. It required, among other things, ceremonial washing, burning of incense, and other rituals. This is the last thing this man would have wanted to do after a long day, or perhaps long days, in the temple. Besides, clergy are very important people. We all know that. <laughs> the temple pilgrims, they were counting on our priest. What would they do if there was no priest available for seven days? Maybe this priest thought that it would be selfish to defile himself by helping this wounded man. And he didn't want to be selfish, so he passes by without helping. He's half dead anyway. On this desolate road, the vultures will be at him in no time. Problem solved. A few minutes later, another temple worker comes walking down the road, and this time it's a Levite. Now, he was a member of the tribe of Levi. Levites were set apart for temple work. Along with the temple priests, they made up the temple clergy. 
And so our Levite sees this half-dead man, and literally he follows in the priest's footsteps. Now, that's not unusual either, because in those days, while traveling on a treacherous road, it was very important to pay close attention to where the people that had passed ahead of you had walked. And so the Levite would have known that the priest passed on the other side of the road opposite this wounded man. Perhaps the Levite reasoned that it was, if it was okay for the priest to stop, to not stop and help him, it was okay for him to not stop as, as well. After all, Levite's responsibility was to accept tithes from the people. They were kind of like ordained deacons in the Old Testament. The same rules of cleanliness that apply to the priest also apply to him. If either the priest or the Levite stopped to help this man that was lying in the ditch, well, those services back in Jerusalem may have been seriously disrupted. After all, it's more than half dead now anyway. You can see those vultures starting to circle even closer. It's just a matter of time. Problem solved. But then what happens? A Samaritan happens to come by. Now remember the Samaritans and the Jews, they did not get along, except it's, it's a lot more than that. The Samaritans of, and the Jews of 2000 years ago were very much like say the Palestinians and the Israelis of today, or, or go back a few years, the Catholics and the Protestants in Ireland. Samaritans and Jews, they didn't just dislike each other, they didn't just not get along, they hated each other. And why is that? Well, in order to understand this, we have to go back in history just a little bit. The hatred that existed between Jews and Samaritans, it can be traced back at least a thousand years before Jesus' birth. After the glory days of the kingdom of Israel under the leadership of the great kings Saul and, and David and David's son, wise old Solomon, the kingdom split in two parts. A northern kingdom was called Israel and its capital was called Samaria and the southern kingdom called Judah, whose capital was called Jerusalem. In 1722 BC, the northern kingdom was attacked by the Assyrians. And soon afterwards, a program of colonization began by those Assyrians. Over time, the northern kingdom Israelites and the Assyrians were like, they became assimilated. They married one another. They began to combine their different cultural and religious traditions, and the offsprings of those mixed marriages were the Samaritans. Over 100 years later, the southern kingdom of Judah, where the name Jew comes from, by the way, it was also attacked. This time it was by the mighty Babylonian army. The southern kingdom of Judah fell to the armies of Babylon and Solomon's great temple, in Jerusalem, it was sacked and pillaged. Many of the Jews were taken into exile to become slaves in Babylon. But even though they were in exile, those Jews still maintained their ancient traditions in the face of great persecution and efforts by the Babylonians to force them to give up their faith. After 85 years of this Babylonian captivity, the armies of Persia then attacked and conquered the Babylonians. It's like a cycle. The Persian leader, his name was Darius, he allowed those Jews to go home to their homeland. The Jews returned and then they eventually rebuilt the great temple in Jerusalem. So in the, in the eyes and in, in the minds of those that survived the Babylonian captivity, Samaritans were a symbol of a compromised faith. 
While the Southern Kingdom Jews were in exile, they kept their faith pure. But the Northern Kingdom Israelites, they were seen as having defiled the faith. They were universally despised by the Jews as traitors to the authentic faith of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. To the Jews, Samaritans were the lowest of the low. They were people who said that they worshiped the same God, but they didn't follow all the rules and even blatantly violated some of them. They were regarded by the Jews as racial half-breeds and religious half-breeds. The Jews of Jesus' day knew this all too well, and time did nothing to bring these two cousins back together. So when Jesus tells this story to his Jewish audience, he is deliberately speaking to the racism and the prejudices that were present in the world in terms that his fellow Jews knew all too well. Unfortunately, time has not been kind to erasing those prejudices. They exist in the world today. And so let's get back to our lesson, back to our dying Jew lying on the side of the road. So far, a temple priest passed by, followed by a Levite. They both go out of their way, for whatever reason, to avoid the dying man. But then here comes one of those despised Samaritans. And Jesus tells us that when he saw the beaten man, he did not follow in the footsteps of the priest and the Levite. Instead, the Samaritan had compassion on him. And so he stops to administer first aid. He bandages the man's wounds. He pours oil and wine on them. And then he puts the man on his own animal and brings him to an inn. He pays the innkeeper to care for the injured man until he recovers. And he never asks for anything in return. And Jesus turns to that lawyer who at the beginning of the lesson said, who is my neighbor? And Jesus' response to him, he responds by asking a question, which of these three do you think proved neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the lawyer, possibly through clenched teeth, responds, the one who showed him mercy. See, he's, he's forced to admit the truth, but he can't even bear to say the words, the Samaritan. The one who showed him mercy. How many times are we too proud, too arrogant, too busy to stop to help others in our daily lives? How many times are we too proud and too arrogant and too busy to even notice those who are in need in our daily lives? Every day we encounter people who are hurting and, and who are in need. Even if we don't notice them, they're still there. You see, it's so easy to get wrapped up in our own lives and not have time to worry about others or even to notice them. These people in need are at work. They're in our schools. They're in our neighbors. They're in our neighborhoods. They're even in our church and even in our own families. My brothers and sisters in Christ, the question for you and I today is, are we like the priest and the Levite? Do we go out of our way to avoid these people? Or are we like the Samaritan who was able to look past pride and prejudice and was willing to take risks? After all, you know, the robbers might still be around, ready to pounce on us when we stop to help, or worse still, somebody might see what we're doing and stopping to help someone who's unclean. Isn't this exactly what Jesus did time and time again? Like the Samaritan, didn't Jesus take 
notice to those who are beaten and naked and dying in the world? And think about this. Just like that injured man in the ditch, Jesus himself will soon be traveling that very same road. Soon he too will be beaten, stripped, and left to die. And the religious community will turn their back on him. Will we recognize him lying in the ditch when we pass by? Now, there's a scripture that comes to mind, I think, that says so well what I'm really trying to say right now. It's from Matthew 25, it's verses 34 and 40. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, O blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you by the, from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him, say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Earlier in Matthew, Jesus tells his disciples that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. He's talking to his disciples. He's talking to us. As we continue to worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness this morning, ask yourself this question. What is my righteousness like? Is it more like the priest and the Levite? Or is it more like the Samaritan? Which of these three do you think proved neighbor to the man that fell among the robbers? And the lawyer said, the one who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said to him and to us, go and do likewise. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.